This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's unnecessary roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown, Raiders. Would you believe it? This is unnecessary roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. And here we are kicking off hour number two of the show here on Raider Nation Radio 920. We'll kick things off, getting a little bit of a Cincinnati Bengals preview. And we'll do that with my guy, Jay Morrison from The Athletic. You can find him on Twitter at jmorrisonath. And, uh, Jay, thank you so much for your time. I do appreciate you. Before we get into the game and the team, how excited are you for Saturday to go up in a helicopter and kind of take an overview of the Grand Canyon and everything else going on here in Vegas? Oh, yeah, I cannot wait. I am really looking forward to it. Looking forward to meeting you in person, finally. Right. Uh, but, yeah, I've been to the Grand Canyon twice before in my life, but never via helicopter. So I'm, I'm, I've never been in a helicopter, period. So, yeah, I'm, that's going to be the highlight of my trip. Uh, I, I think the game might be somewhere in the top ten, but uh, nowhere in the top five. Right. No, I'm with you. I've never been in a helicopter either, so I'm very pumped up and excited about it. So it's great to get that invite. And, yeah, it's going to be great to be able to meet you and hang out in, in person as we've been talking for years, talking some, some football for years. <laughs> so uh, well, let's get into some football. Let's get into the game and the Cincinnati Bengals. They started off hot, 5-2. and two. I mean, they were out the, out the gates. They made me a believer. I, I, I was – you know, basically thinking, oh, they're not going to be that team. This is a good win here, good win there. And all of a sudden, boom, five and two. Now they've lost two in a row. But uh, out of the gates, them getting off to that hot start, what was it about the team that, that really gelled as, as early as it did? I mean, it all centered on Jamar Chase. He just lit the league on fire as soon as he came into the league. Um, it, you wonder if it's sustainable. It looks like it is. It's, it's just that – that chemistry, everybody talked about it when they were debating between him and Panay Sewell and, you know, the people that wanted an offensive lineman were kind of poo-pooing the idea that, oh, he was his tar- – it was Joe Burrow's target at LSU. That's not going to mean anything here. Well, it does. They, they, they really do have this unique chemistry and, and the, the way that Joe can extend plays and just find, find Jamar on, on unscripted plays. And it's like every – Every game they were starting slow, and then that last drive before the half, they would hit a long one, and it would just kind of kick this offense into gear. And it was, it was really remarkable. And you know that it, it's still going on, but the the Browns really kind of took Jamar away. I don't think the Jets took Jamar away, or if Jamar took himself away. He had a couple drops in that game, dropped a touchdown in that game, but that's. That's the centerpiece of everything, and that's exactly what they thought was going to happen when you bring in a dynamic receiver like that that can kind of take the top off the defense. It's going to be exciting to see what he can do the second half of the year. Yeah, it should be pretty interesting. And they're coming off, uh, well, they're on a two-game losing streak, but they're coming off their bye. And as I went back and kind of did a little bit of research, they haven't been historically great coming off the bye. What are your thoughts? Where are they right now as far as health? How are they feeling as a team? They have been horrible coming off byes. I mean, they've... (laughs) It's been they've lost by thirty seven, thirty six, and twenty six, if I remember right. The last three years after their bye, um, they are they are in pretty good shape health wise this year. Um, they they just put a backup linebacker, Akeem Davis Gaither, on IR. Um, that's kind of a big hit. It's it's an underrated hit because 
he was their fastest linebacker. He was the guy that was probably going to cover Waller. Um, he, he only played about 33% of the snaps, but he was, he was really kind of coming into his own. He was a fourth-round pick a year ago and was on the rise. So that's going to be really interesting to see how they replace him because uh, last month they lost another backup linebacker to an ACL. So they're, they're really thin there right now. But other than that, they're in pretty good shape. They, it's, it's amazing when you, you get the injury report every week and the other team has this massive list. And the Bengals, for instance, today, there's, there's three guys on the injury report. And one is a, defensive, a rookie defensive tackle who's played four snaps all year. And then two other ones were just limited, but they're going to start. They're going to play Sunday. So it's it, for a week ten. It's just remarkable how healthy this team is. Yeah, and uh, I'll tell you, and Raider Nation will say it too. Uh, the Raiders have not been healthy. They have a lot of guys that are banged up, as you can see on the injury report uh, that was thrown out there today. So that that should be interesting as far as health wise. And you mentioned the defense. Uh, that was one thing that really impressed me about the Bengals early on. I mean, Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. That was impressive as well. But the defense was playing the way it was, and and I know it's still playing really well. Uh, how did that defense come together as quickly as it did? Yeah, they. I mean, they they went out and and spent. They've never this franchise has never done that. And they went out in free agency. The last two years they went out. Last year, a lot of the guys they bought got hurt. Obviously, we just talked about that's not been the case this year. Um, they went out and got a, a slot corner in Mike Hilton from Pittsburgh. They got Shadobi Awuzie from from Dallas. They go and get Trey Hendrickson, who was second in the league in sacks last year, and looks like he could. He could be up in the top five again this year. He's just been on fire with nine and a half through nine games. Um, they, they got all these new pieces, and they just fit great. Now, what I talked about before was like that big question was, would Jamar Chase, is it sustainable? That is. The bigger question is, is this defensive performance sustainable? Because they were terrific those first five weeks, or those first seven weeks when they were five and two. Mm-hmm. But Mike White of the Jets in his first career start picked right. him apart for 405 yards. And then the week before the bye, Baker Mayfield, who only seems to play great against the Bengals, lit him <laughs> up. They get there and they scored 41 points in that game. And now it's like, okay, which is the real Bengals defense? Is it what we saw in the first seven weeks? Is it what we saw the last two weeks? I, I think this is going to be a big test for him come Sunday because that, that Raiders passing game can can really light things up as well. Talking right now with Jay Morrison from The Athletic, talking all things Cincinnati Bengals. They're the next team up on the schedule for uh, for the silver and black. And uh, as far as Zach Taylor, I, I've, I know I've asked you about him before, even when the Bengals just, uh, you know, they, they hired him to be the head coach. Where are they right now with him? Do, is the fan base starting to believe in him now because of the start that the, the Bengals got off to? Now I know, again, they're on the two-game losing streak, but are they feeling better about the hire in Zach? Uh, better, but it's still tepid. I mean, okay. it's, it's it's lukewarm. It's it, there was a lot of excitement with the five and two start, and then these it, there's always that same old Bengals here we go again kind of mentality in this town, and I think it's starting to creep back in with the back to back losses. Um, they they love the way this roster is constructed, but I think there's a there's just a lot of doubt about whether Zach is the guy, but. Um, this this front office is fully behind him, and this roster, more importantly, is fully behind him. I mean, it's taken him three years to kind of turn over that roster, get rid of some of the old Marvin Lewis veterans that weren't really buying into to what he was selling, and this is truly his team. There's only a handful of guys that, that predate him, and he just got here in 2019. So um, 
this will be a big final eight games. It's not a lot of people expect him to be in the playoffs this year. If he gets into the playoffs, right? Even if they lose in the first round, I think some people he'll 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 some people will be sold on him. Let's put it that way. Um, if after the five and two start they stumble and don't make the playoffs, then then I think there's going to be a, a lot more head scratching about whether he is the answer. Well, I, I know he's headed to Vegas this weekend with the Bengals, and I heard him earlier talking about uh, he loves to play craps. Uh, so, do we? Do you think we'll see him at the crap table before the game or after the game? Nah, he, he said his his message to himself and to his team is, "Hey, Vegas is still going to be there in <laughs> February in March. There's not going to be any craps being played this weekend." I was surprised he even mentioned it. You, it's it's such kind of a taboo topic, right? I, I was surprised he mentioned it in a public setting, but it was it was pretty entertaining. Yeah, no, I did too. When he when he said it, I thought, "Whoa, that's okay." I I, I didn't expect that. I, I wasn't mad at it. I thought it was kind of funny that he said it. Like you said, kind of entertaining, but uh, it did kind of catch me off guard when he said that as well. Uh, talking right now with uh, Jay Morrison from the Athletic, all things Cincinnati Bengals. My man Demond's got a question for you. Yeah, Jay, Joe Burrow has been throwing a lot of picks this season. I think he's got one in each of the past five games. So is that something that you're seeing pressure-wise, or is it just Joe Burrow just being aggressive as a young player? It's a lot of everything. There have been ones that have gone off receivers' hands. Uh, there have been ones where he's been, you know, he, he's got this unbelievable confidence and moxie to him, and he, I think he sometimes thinks the window's a little bit bigger, that even if it is a small one, he can fit it in there. And some of them have just been head scratchers. There was one they were beating the, the doors off the Ravens, and they're they're driving down to put them away. And it was I think it was a first or a second down, and he just running out of the pocket throws one up for grabs in the end zone, and it gets picked off. And then there was one in the Green Bay game in overtime when you almost wondered if he was concussed. It was so there was nobody anywhere in the area, and he just threw it right to a, a Packers linebacker. It was. It's been all over the place. He's never thrown more than five in a season, going back mm. to college even. And he only, last year as a rookie, he only played ten games, but he only threw five. Never had more than one in a game. He's already had three games this year with multiple picks, and like you said, he's, he's tied for the league lead with 11 right now. If they're going to make the playoffs, that's the number one thing that has to, has to change in the second half of the season. He can't get anywhere close to 11 picks over the final eight games. You know, uh, it's funny, everyone debated at the beginning before the the, uh, the the Bengals drafted Chase. They were talking about, like you mentioned, you know, is it, should it be Sewell, should it be Chase? I was one of those guys that thought it should have been the offensive line. I thought it should be, uh, you know, Sewell. Just whatever you could do to protect Joe Burrow. How has the protection been since they did go with Chase and that seemed like a really good pick, and it is a good pick, obviously. How has the offensive line been? How have you seen them perform this year? It's getting better. The tackles have been really good. Uh, where the issues have come have been up the middle. And they they will be starting their fourth. Well, he started in Cleveland, Hakeem Adeniji. He's their fourth starting right, right guard this year. That's the one spot that's really been kind of that they're trying to find answers there. And, you know, this team, they get five sacks in the first two games and everybody's thinking, uh-oh, mm-hmm. this is what everybody predicted. But they really did kind of get it together. And, there have been some more sacks lately in these losses, but a lot of it has been, you know, Joe kind of extending plays longer than he should have. And it, there, there's a lot that goes into it. It's not all on the offensive line, but it, the, the good thing is, you know, Riley Reef is another one of those free agents they went out and signed, the right tackle. It's, it's coming along. It's getting better. As long as they can figure out this right guard spot, and their center, Trey Hopkins, he had an ACL tear in week 17 last year. Amazing that he was back for the, for the week one opener this year. 
but he's played like a guy that's still rehabbing that knee. And right. so that that's another another area to watch that interior, especially the right guard in the center. I think the if if the Raiders run some stunts and kind of loop some of those loop Crosby, or I don't know if they do that with Ngakwe or not, but if they bring pressure up the middle, I think they can really affect Burrow. That's going to be interesting. It really will. And, and Jay, this has been great. Thank you so much for your time. But uh, before we let you go, for Cincinnati to head to Las Vegas, go to Allegiant Stadium on Sunday and pick up a W, what has to happen on the Cincinnati side of things? Yeah, the defense has to be better. They, they, have, to, they have to figure out a way. Uh, tight ends and running backs have killed them the last two weeks. That okay. They've got to figure out some way to defend Waller and you know, try, to, try to hold this Raiders offense in the 20 to 24 range. Um, but the, the number one thing, I think the offense, we know what it is. They, they, this defense has to get better, and they have to hold down that Raiders offense. There it is right there. Jay Morrison from The Athletic giving you a preview of the Bengals. You got anything coming out on The Athletic? I know you were recording a podcast earlier. You got anything coming out on The Athletic that maybe some more Raider fans could be looking at to get a little bit more of a detail on, on what Cincinnati is going to be bringing? Yeah, we'll have our uh, our um, game preview podcast going up tomorrow, and then I'm, I'm – Writing a story right now on the on the new right guard, Akeem Energy. I know that's not an exciting topic, but it could be the key to the game. Yeah, it really could be. I'm sure Max Crosby might be uh, paying attention to that as well. Let me let me read up <laughs> on this guy, do a little study, and so uh, great <laughs> stuff, great stuff, Jay. As always, I do appreciate you, and uh, I look forward to seeing you on Saturday, man. We'll have fun in the helicopter ride. Can't wait, Q. Thanks for having me on. All right, brother. There he goes. Jay Morrison from The Athletic does a fantastic job covering the Bengals like a glove. And uh, he's going to be my homeboy. He's going to be my partner in the in the helicopter on Saturday. Uh, very excited about that opportunity to, to, to fly around the area, check out the Grand Canyon, check out the whole Las Vegas area from very high up in the sky because, well, never been in a helicopter. So we'll do that on Saturday, and we'll talk about it all on Sunday. 316 is the time. I've been. It's been confirmed that... Nate Hobbs will be joining us in a matter of minutes, I do believe. So uh, he should join us before, at least before the show's over. So, uh, yeah, kind of keep locked and loaded for that. We're getting a little confirmation right now on our phones. And uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll have him as soon as we can get him. So we appreciate uh, Jay's time, and we appreciate uh, Nate, Nate's time when he does hit us up. 316 is the time. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Got an action-packed 40 minutes left in today's show. And why I say it's going to be action-packed is we're expected to hear from uh, Raiders rookie defensive back Nate Hobbs, fifth-round pick out of Illinois. He's supposed to be joining us in a matter of minutes. And then we also got Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports to join us to talk all things UNLV. That's all coming up before this show gets wrapped up today. So we're going to keep our head on a swivel. We're going to keep things pushing just like we normally do and uh yeah when when we get them we get them and uh we'll, we'll keep it moving when we do that i did want to uh, update we talked to a couple high school football coaches uh yesterday from silverado and shadow ridge they are playing at uh, allegiant stadium tomorrow in a f- class 4a state championship game that's at 340 here's the whole lineup want to go ahead and give you the lineup for everything that's going on at legion stadium i'll be doing this show actually live from allegiant stadium we did find a way to make that happen uh <laughs> after i left the uh, intermountain healthcare performance center yesterday all of a sudden uh, the Raiders approached me about doing my show live from Allegiant Stadium, so I'll be doing that tomorrow afternoon, so I'm excited about that. But it gets kicked off early in the morning, 9 a.m., Class 2A, the Meadows versus Yarrington. They're going to be playing against each other for the Class 2A state championship. That's at Allegiant Stadium at 9 a.m., bright and early. And I'm not too sure. Maybe someone can tell me why. But this order of the games goes Class 2A, Class 5A, Class 4A, and Class 3A. I don't know why. I don't know why. Maybe someone could tell me. Maybe that's just something that they've traditionally done. I don't know. I know Class 1A is playing today at uh, at Bishop Gorman. Uh, I, I, I don't know why it went 2A, 5A, 4A, 3A. 
Okay. Uh, every time I've seen state championship games, it was always from the smaller classes, uh, classifications to the larger classifications. The largest classification in Texas was 6A, and they would always have that final game there at Jerry's World. But, hey, it is what it is. So 9 a.m. is the Class 2A state championship game. 12:20 Class 5A. Bishop Gorman versus McQueen. They're going to be uh, squaring up again, 1220 at Allegiant Stadium. 340, Class 4A, the game that I talked about and talked to both head coaches on uh, yesterday's show, Silverado and Shadow Ridge. They'll go up against each other again. That's at 340. Uh, that's the game that I'm really pretty fired up to really check out. And uh, so I'll probably catch I'll probably catch the end of the Bishop Gorman game. Well, I'll get there early. I'll probably get there at noon. So I'll see the whole Bishop Gorman and McQueen game. Uh, but I'll also catch a little bit of this uh, Silverado and Shadow Ridge game before the show is over. And then at 7 o'clock, Class 3A, Moapa Valley versus Virgin Valley. And if you remember, Moapa Valley, I had the head football coach. He was actually uh, there from Nevada. Uh, he was the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week for I can't remember exactly what week it was, but uh, he was one of the recipients throughout the, the course of the year. So Moapa Valley will close things out versus Virgin Valley. 7 p.m. That's class 3A. So that's going on tomorrow. I'm fired up and excited about that. Had a couple text messages on the Sam and Ash text line that I wanted to get to, 69187, keyword R&R. Uh, we were just doing a preview of the Bengals with Jay Morrison from The Athletic, and we got a text that said, Q, will Abram be shadowing Chase? Answer in one word, no. <laughs> no, Abram will not be shadowing Chase. That's not the matchup that you want. That's not the matchup that he wants. That might be the matchup that Jamar Chase wants. I mean, he's just too stinking dynamic. That's not that's not the matchup that you want there. You want uh, Abram to be down close in the box and, and be able to attack, you know, and, and let him be that that linebacking guy. He, you want him to be that Jamal Adams type dude, you know, to have that, that kind of intensity around the line of scrimmage. You don't want him to be out there uh, in coverage, matched up against Jamar Chase. Chase is uh, outstanding now. Uh, if you say, is he shadowing Joe Burrow, that might be a different subject, but I don't think you have to worry about Burrow running around the yard that much. Will he extend plays? Sure, but he's not going to be you know, running for 100 plus yards or anything like that. I mean, plus he's trying to protect himself as well. He's coming off that ACL, so you don't want uh, your franchise quarterback in, in Joe Burrow to be out there doing those kind of Lamar Jackson type things. That's not, that's not how he's built. Uh, also got a text message talking about Max Crosby. He was held like five times in that game on Sunday. He wasn't even close to being dominated. That's laughable. The problem was the coverage, not the pass rush. And I'll say this. Uh, he was, I, I, I will admit, I saw plenty of times where he was held. Uh, there was one play where he, down by the goal line, I think it was fourth and one, and he was just about tackled. I mean, it was laughable that he was tackled, you know, and, and there was no call. And, uh, you know, that's why he was asked after the game about that frustration penalty that he got. And he said, hey, I'm not going to comment on that. You're not going to set me up to say something I don't want to say. That's what he was talking about. He didn't want to talk about the officiating, but it, it was bad. But it doesn't matter. At some point, you've got to find a way to overcome that and uh, not make an excuse and not trying to, you know, trying to say that it's okay, just take it and whatever. I mean, look, the, the holding penalty should be called, but officials could really call holding on every play if they want to. But when it's egregious and it's right there in their face, they absolutely should throw the flag. No doubt about that. Um, I would like to see, I love the pressures. I mentioned earlier, I love the pressures that him and Ngakwe are getting. They're getting some great pressure, but I would like to see them get home a few more times. You know, I, I really would. I mean, Ngakwe has six sacks and Max has five. You know, and usually when they get them, they come in bunches, so they get like two a game. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'd like to see them get some, especially on big time plays. You know, hey, third and eight, third and nine, someone needs to step up, and make a play. Boom! That's when Max needs to come in and make a play, or Ngakwe needs to, like he did against the Giants, get that strip sack, get the ball back, and all of a sudden give them an opportunity to give the Raiders an opportunity offensively. That's what I'd like to see. I'd like to see a couple more dominant. You need this play. You need your big time playmaker to step up. 
That's what I'd like to see. Just a couple more of those type of plays. But uh, you're right about him being held because he definitely was was held in a in a major way. Uh, Sir Whiskey Ray hit us up and said, "Q, let's not overthink this. Carr needs to throw the ball at least 35 plus times. That's going back to what PE in North Carolina said." Waller being our best athlete on offense, he needs to be targeted 14-plus times a game going forward. He's a playmaker. Good things happen when your best players get the ball. I think it's very doable that the Raiders end the season going 5-3 and three here to close out these last eight games. If we can end the season on a hot roll and being healthy, I'll take our chances in the playoffs. Getting into the dance, the playoffs, anything could happen. I believe in the Raiders. I believe in this Raiders team. Again, that's from Sir Whiskey Ray. And that's the thing. There's still eight games. You know, normally when we're talking about uh, you know, a, a, a mid or a, yes, a, a second half collapse. It's closer to the end of the season, and all of a sudden you kind of see the writing on the wall. And some people have have seen the writing on the wall. Some people say, "Hey, I see the writing on the wall." Uh, you're more optimistic than me. You know, that's that's I've seen that, and that's okay because that's what the frustration, where the frustration comes from, from years on top of years on top of years of not being a playoff team, not winning. Like I totally get it. You know, when people call and say, "Oh, well, the fans are whining about a loss," I get it. You know, because the fan base is is, is what's always going to be there. You're always going to be a, a, a Raider fan. The guys on the team aren't always going to be Raiders. They might be on, on another team next year. They may retire. They may whatever. They might not always be Raiders. But everyone listening to this show, everyone listening to this station, everyone that's in, in, in the stands in the silver and black spending their money, that's who you are. You're not going to be a free agent fan. You know, I hear people say it all the time. Well, if you don't like it, if you're not going to cheer on the team, go find another fan or go find another team. Raider fans don't do that. Even it don't matter how frustrated you are. There's been plenty of people. There was a guy that hit me up on Twitter on Sunday. I'm done. I'm not listening to the radio. I'm not listening to podcasts. They got to win me back. Okay. Guess what? You're probably listening right now. You know, and that's not because of me. I'm just saying because that's, that's what our fandom does. Our passion is the team. That's who it is. Can't help yourself. You know, it's just like just like saying I'm done with that girl. I'm not going to talk to that girl anymore. Uh-uh. Hey, man, you probably shouldn't talk to her anymore. You know, she just cheated on you. I know. I'm done with her. Hey, dog, where you at? Oh, I'm over at homegirl's house. You know what I mean? Like, you just can't help yourself sometimes. And I think it's easier to get rid of an ex than it is to get rid of the team. I've gotten rid of plenty of exes. <laughs> Still got the team. You know what I mean? Like, that's just what it is. It's the it's it's so I, I get it. So when fans get angry and they want to start, you know, chirping about they're not gonna do this, they're not gonna do that, I'm done with this team. I we look, we hear it all the time. We say it all the time. I'm done. Not messing with this team anymore. And then Sunday you're right there in front of the TV watching the game. It's just it's just reality. I'm not and I'm okay with that. Rob in Oakland hit us up. Q. I think many longtime Raider fans are concerned or even afraid this overall pattern will lead to another disappointing season. Imagine if we finish 7-10 and 10 this year. At the same time, the guys on the fields are the ones that have to get it done. To me, this is time for all of us to take a deep breath, circle the wagons, and come out firing. Maybe if we stay strong, the team could stay... Maybe if... Okay. Maybe if we stay strong, the team can draw some strength from us. No number of wins or losses will change with my allegiance. Win, lose, or tie. Raider till I die. Robin Oakland. That's basically what I just said, right? That was a great text. Great timing, too, Rob. That's because he's from the 510. He knew how to have, have, have his boys back. Good looking out. That was great timing. <laughs> great timing. That basically just, just summed up what I said, probably in a better way. Thank you for that. One more, take, uh, one more text, and then we'll take a break. 
Uh, just kidding. We're not. <laughs> Demond just <laughs> Demond just waved me off like, no, you ain't taking no break. So, <laughs> so apparently we're getting Nate on right now. So okay, I was just about to take a break after I read that text, but uh, Raiders. Raiders rookie defensive back Nate Hobbs now joins us on the phone lines and Nate we do appreciate your time my man and uh, I, I know the team isn't right where they want to be right now with the two game losing streak but still has plenty of football left in front of them what what has been the message so far this week throughout the you know throughout the locker room with the guys just trying to get back on track as you prepare for Cincinnati um, we're not worried about any outside noise or whatever the you know the world and everybody else thinks of us we just worried about the men in the room and going to work every day and getting better every day, step by step. Because if you ain't getting better, you get. You know, either getting better or worse. So we just try to focus on that. We're not worried, really worried about no outside chatter. Right, and that's how it's got to be. And, you know, I've, I've talked to you about it before as far as, you know, making a mistake and then not making a mistake uh, twice. And that's something that I think that you do really well is you don't make that same mistake twice. So in the locker room defensively, uh, how are you guys planning on attacking Jamar Chase and, and, uh, and Joe Burrow as they come to town? Uh, obviously, they're two great uh, NFL players, and they, make, they have a great season right now. We just like I said, every guy, every man has to do his job. It's eleven people on the field, and when one man doesn't do his job, you basically um, you're screwing over the, the other team who are doing their job. So we got to plan for them, and, and and that's really just every man do his job. As a defensive back, do you get a little bit of extra juice when when real big time players, just like you just played Kansas City, and you know that they have some dynamic weapons offensively? Yeah. Does that does that give you a little bit of extra juice when you go into the game? Yeah, I feel like as a defensive guy and as a guy, you know, who if you call yourself a big time player, then it should give you a little bit extra juice, and you should want to play um, match up to to the guy across you, uh, play to the best of your ability. So that's how I feel like it should be. Talking right now with Raiders rookie defensive back Nate Hobbs here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And uh, when you started, before the season even started, in the preseason, you were telling us that you were, you know, very confident, you were an underdog, and, and, and Raider Nation was going to see who you were. And, and you've done that. You've absolutely done that. How, how has ha, has this been? How has the first 10 weeks of your rookie year been? I know you've only played nine games, but just what have you yeah. learned about yourself and the NFL in general? Um. Uh, the NFL, I feel like it's definitely um, a precision league. And by precision, I mean like you got to be at the right place at the right time doing your job. And if you're doing your job and all 11 men are on the same accord, and you can be a really good team. It's not all about just being a star player and making all the plays. Um, it's, it's really about who, who stays healthy longest and who's I feel like is the most disciplined on the field and who can be the most who can be effective as a team the best as an individual player. So. Have you had a moment that surprised you? Has something ever happened so far in, in, in your rookie year where you're like, whoa, I didn't see that coming? Uh, I mean, it's been a couple guys I like, lined up across and it's just crazy. Like, you know, at first, I'm like, really, you know, playing with this guy or Line up across from this guy, or, you know, playing with him, but it, it might only be a split second because you know you got to get right back in the mode. But um, and, and just going to all the the stadiums and, and and stuff like that, seeing all the people and fans who who know you miles away, like across the country and whatnot. So 
it's just been a great experience. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome, man. And it's been fun to have fans back in the stands. Obviously, you didn't have that last year, but uh, you've been able to experience fans in every stadium that you've gone to, so I can imagine that that's been yeah. a, a lot of fun. Uh, I know you were at an event with Casey Hayward. You guys were giving back to the community, and the Raiders have been a, doing a great job of giving back to the community. But uh, how how – how nice uh, is that to be able to do that? Go out there and, and like I said, give back to the community and know that you're playing a major role. Oh, man, it's, it's lovely. It's honestly one of the reasons why I wanted to play at this level, not only to, you know, to, to show myself I could do it and, and, and just do, do what I can do, reach my highest um, potential, but also to give back. Cause, you know, when you're at this level, that they, they, paying you a certain amount. You got a certain influence on the community, so I just feel like it's great that we can have that type of impact. Use our our platform to do good. That's always something I'm trying to do. Right, absolutely. Where did that Where did that come from? Where did that humbleness come from? Sure. Um, I just know how I feel to to not you know be there or not be at this level or not have money or. Just be in a disadvantaged position, and also, you know, my my mother always taught me to be humble because you know today could be our last day, or you could lose it all just as quick as you have it. So. Right, absolutely. Talking right now with Nate Hobbs here on Raider Nation Radio, nine twenty, unnecessary roughness. My man, Demond here in the studio has got a question for you. Yeah, Nate, I'm gonna take you with the show for a little bit. Earlier today, Q was talking about hooping. And he and like I'm a big muscular guy and like and he's just like yo you can't hoop. Have you ever had to prove somebody? Because I know you got the hops. Have you ever had to prove somebody on the court just because you're a football player you can still hoop? Of course, of course, I have. Um, definitely, definitely in the off season. Definitely not, <laughs> not during the season at all. But of course, yeah, I, I was a hooper. I take pride in my hooping abilities. I feel like you know anybody in the NFL won't. On, on the uh, challenge, you know they can do that. I feel like I'm gonna come up with the dub. There you go, there you go. And see, and <laughs> let me ask you this, Nate. Let me let me take you since since he took it to this conversation. I told him that I could tell a lot about him by the way he walks. Isn't that a fact that you can look at somebody and tell how athletic they could be at a certain sport by the way they walk? I yes and no. Okay. <laughs> yes, yes no, you know what? Because no, some people are really deceivingly like athletic. That's a good point. No, it's it's a couple guys like you would never think like could like like if I look at Hunter Renfro, I I think he's a thirty year old accountant. <laughs> put pads and cleats on him, then he'll do the best cornerback in the league. So. Right. No, no. You're, yeah, you're right about, about Hunter. and But I'm telling you, and, and when you see DeMond, you'll understand what I'm talking about. This dude, he yeah. spends all his time in the weight room. And see, he he's puts pictures out there on, on Twitter, and he's showing people pictures in person of him flexing and, and, and hitting the weights. I ain't never seen a picture of him with a basketball in his hand. So I know that that's something he don't really frequent that often. You know what I mean? Yeah. I know it too. <laughs> I don't even know how we got in this conversation. We're talking to Nate Hobbs, and you're talking hoops. I just want to ask him. But I know he's from Kentucky, Louisville. I know. I know he take pride in his hoops. Yeah. No. You're, yeah, you're, man. <laughs> right. Absolutely. No doubt about that. And Nate, we just got a, a couple more questions for you. And I, I did want to get ask a serious question just uh, about you know the locker room. I know you guys are tight as brothers. Uh, that's one thing I noticed about the team all off season, training camp, preseason. You guys are a tight knit bunch, and you've had a lot of issues, obviously, off the field. How tight is that locker room right now? Is, are you guys even tighter now? I think um, the circumstances that we've uh, overcome have like had no choice but to make us tighter as a team, 
and make us come together because we can't really um, lean on anybody else like in this setting, in the football setting, but ourselves. Cause, you know, it's a lot of people saying this and saying that about our team, you know, this and that, all the chatter. But we can't do nothing but uh, lean on each other, so I think so. Right, and I know that it takes a lot of the you know veterans in the in the locker room to, to be those leaders, and, and you have one that's really close to you in Casey Hayward. I mentioned earlier how you guys were out giving back to the community. How important has he been in, in your development as an NFL player? Um, Casey's been huge for me. Like he just like like the way he plays, just like how he holds himself and. Like, just him, like, just knowing, like, having so much football knowledge, and he definitely, like, leads by example. Like, I could just see it. So, like, it makes me want to elevate my game and playing beside him, being the caliber players. I know I got to play to a certain caliber, too, you know. Right, absolutely. Well, you've been doing a great job all season long, Nate. You're a, a fan favorite already, and uh, we know that there's a lot more plays that you got under your belt that you're going to be making uh, and, and probably starting as early as uh, this week against Cincinnati. So uh, good luck in the game on Sunday, uh, and, and we appreciate your time this afternoon, my man. Thank you. All right, there he goes, rookie Nate Hobbs right there, Raiders defensive back. Couldn't believe that DeMond actually went to the basketball questions with Nate, but that's okay. That's all right. He's trying to get an ally. I see. He's trying to get an ally. I thought he was going to ask him something football-related. My man asked about the hoop game, and then he had to make, get me to, to explain myself. So there you go. I did like that he brought that little <laughs> nugget about Hunter, though. I thought that was cool. That's why you got to ask those questions, you know? Have a little fun. Right, right. I got you. I'm not mad at you. Well, like I said, this show is going to be fast and furious, man. we got to keep our head on a swivel. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Paloma Villacana, she's going to join us to talk all things UNLV. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. But it will be more than likely if they do lose this game here. Okay. Hey, fool me once. Shame on you. Fool me twice. Can't be fooled again. Is that how it goes? Something like that. <laughs> That's how George Bush said it. That's who you quoted? Yeah. That's who you quoted? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Out of every great quote in, yep. that you could have came up with, you decided to go with the former president. Yep. There's an old saying in Tennessee. I know it's in Texas, probably in Tennessee, that says, fool me once, shame on shame on you. If fool me, we can't get fooled again. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy, Q. Every time I hear that J. Cole, I want to hear that J. Cole. <laughs> That's all I know. Every time I hear that J. Cole, I want to hear that J. Cole. 345 is the time here on Raider Nation Radio 920. We've had a fast and furious show. Uh, appreciate Nate Haas from the Raiders joining us in the last segment there. And appreciate our next guest before she even joins us, Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports. She's on with us now. And we do appreciate you as always, Paloma. Thanks for pushing back a few minutes. And UNLV Athletics. I don't even want to just say football. How about the athletics? Two two wins in a row for the football team and the basketball team's off to a hot 3-0 and start. I mean, it doesn't get much better. How busy have you been the last couple weeks? <laughs> turn up. Turn up, turn up, turn up. It's been fun. <laughs> it's, this past weekend has been a lot of fun. The Lady Rebels, Running Rebels, right. UNLV football, UNLV volleyball. We were talking with Coach Arroyo about just, just the energy it brings to the community. Uh, you know, fans want to go watch the Running Rebels. You know, fans want to go see UNLV football, BSU on Friday. Mm-hmm. The Lady Rebels and Lindy LaRock, I mean, undefeated. Everyone is, is pumped up about Lindy and, and what she's going to do this year. So 
It's been fun. It's been fun. The rap zone has been fun. Absolutely. Like you said, turn up, turn up, turn up. And how about the Chuck Wagon? He turned up He turned up last game against Hawaii, and, and this Friday is going to be his final home game ever. How, how, how much anticipation do you have for that game going up against San Diego State? You know, every single time we ask him after the game, like, you know, 266 yards, 38 carries, you know, are, mm-hmm. are you tired? Like, are you good? Like, you, you feeling all right? And Chuck is always like, yo, I have so much more in the tank. So on the red zone, I was like, you know, this kid could run a marathon after a football game. Like, no doubt. He's always saying he has way more to put out there. So, um, you know, 266 yards, a, a career high for him. It's nothing for him. So not only am I excited to watch him on Friday against SDSU, I'm excited to watch him on Sundays and, and see what this man can do. Yeah, no, that's going to be great. It really is. And it couldn't have been for, a, you know, a better guy, like I said before, multiple times, on and off the field. He's just a great dude. So yep. very excited about him. And so looking at that game against the Aztecs, I mean, that's a tough opponent. They, they kind of struggle offensively. But just what are you kind of looking yeah. at as far as keys to this game Friday night? How do the Rebels continue on their winning streak and, and, and put three underneath their belt? No, well, they, the, the Rebels are coming off two strong defensive performances. And, in fact, against Hawaii, that was most consistent. They've played on defense all four quarters. Uh, Shout-out to Kyle Beaudry, you know, the local inside linebacker, has really stepped up, racked up ten tackles against Hawaii. So I, I think the D-line, the secondary, they've been playing really well lately. Um, so another strong defensive performance against the Aztecs on Friday who have been struggling offensively lately. They've just kind of been grinding out these conference wins, but kind of weird to say that SDSU has been struggling, but they definitely have. Of course, it's some defense that they're bringing into town, but their pass game is weak this season. Mm-hmm. So I think the Chuck Wagon's going to roll. You know, defense got to hold it down. Cam Friel, uh, shaky first quarter against Hawaii for Cam Friel, but it's nice to see the true freshmen settle in, gain some confidence, and, and really perform against Hawaii and, 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 and out on top. So, um, you know, if Cam Friel can settle in and, and kind of have a strong performance all four quarters, you know, they could land on top and knock off 23-ranked SDSU on Friday. I know Vegas would love to see that on senior night. Oh, man, that would be unbelievable. Uh, Vegas would go crazy. <laughs> Damon, who's in studio, he'd go crazy. We're looking for a chance to storm the field. And I say weird because I'll be out there. I don't care if I'm at work. I'll find a way to get there to storm the field. It's like, oh. Get the alert yes. on the phone? <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. DeMond's I never gonna, had a chance to storm the field. DeMond's going to try to storm the field. He's going to lose his job, but it's going <laughs> to be well worth it for him. So there you go. (laughs) Paloma, I did want to ask you, you mentioned the quarterback position, and uh, I know that they're not out of the woods yet. I mean, they only have two wins, but uh, it seems like they're Mm -hmm. they're starting to turn the corner, and and the plan that Marcus Arroyo has put together is starting to come together. That quarterback position has to be solidified. Friel's done well. Uh, He's still learning on the fly as a true freshman. Brumfield, he'll be there next year. Do you think that the quarterback position is now a, a lot more settled? At least moving forward, it'll be a lot more settled. Yeah, and, you know, going forward this season, Coach Royal really did want to stick with one guy, and that one guy at first was Doug Brumfield. Well, to be honest, he started Justin Rogers their first game, but right. Doug Brumfield was totally their guy into the season, but their quarterback room was banged up. He was hoping for Tate Martell. Tate Martell ended up not being their quarterback this year. Doug Brumfield was his back injury, and then Doug, uh, unfortunately, you know, tweaked his ankle and, and has been done and, and has been out, so... 
And, you know, Arroyo is kind of through Cam Friel into the fire this year. And, you know, true freshman quarterback didn't play his senior season, uh, you know, had only played since his junior year of high school. So for him to go up against Iowa State and, um, you know, all these big teams, it, it's been great to see him finally kind of settle in, uh, you know, be able to play more consistently. So I think moving forward, it's Cam Friel unless Doug comes out there and, and you know, shakes it up next year. But um, it's, it's, it's been nice to see one guy consistently all four quarters and to get Reps is huge. Talking right now with Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports. She's the host of the Rev Zone here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Now, I did want to ask you about the Hoop Squad, the Hoop Team, the Running Rebels. They're off to that 3-0 yes. start, and I'm excited about Friday. I started off the show talking about I don't know what to do on Friday. I want to go see the Chuck Wagon, but I also want to see <laughs> Michigan coming to town. It's not all the time that Michigan's going to be coming to town. How exciting is that going to be at the T-Mobile Arena? One of the guys were saying after their win against North Dakota State, they feel like they're ready. They are like, all right, we're the underdog, whatever. Look what we can bring. You know, we've grinded out three straight wins that have come down to the wire. Uh, they saw guys that have, you know, experience from the Big 12. So mm-hmm. um, it, it, it's huge. It's huge. Kevin Kruger says, you know, they could have started the season one and two. They could have started the season two and one. Uh, instead, they're 3-0, and and he likes how much his guys are fighting right now. So, yeah, anytime you can get a, a big a big team in town from Michigan, um, I know the Rebels are playing UCLA later in the month, too. Mm-hmm. So their non-conference schedule is like, yo, okay, they can play Arizona on Sunday. You got Michigan, Arizona. They're going to play UCLA. They're going to play SMU. So their non-conference schedule with this brand-new team, 10 new players, uh, there, it is not easy for sure. No, it's it's not, and that's the thing you mentioned it. The non-con is very difficult, but this is what you want. You want this grind. You want these tough com- competition. When you get into into conference play, you're already ready for it. So, how much do you think that this non-con that they're playing, this schedule that they have, is going to help them when they get to conference play? Oh, absolutely. Because you're coming off Michigan, you're coming off UCLA, you're coming off potentially Arizona. And then you go and face these, you know, SDSU teams, and you have these guys who are who've had four years of experience from Texas, two years of experience from Oklahoma, three years of experience from West Virginia, and these guys have played in the NCAA tournament as well. So this isn't some young freshman team where you know they're kind of just starting to fill each other out. They have experience, so um, I'm excited to see the Renan Rebels. It's 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 fun to watch them. Donovan Williams. He was dunking on uh, the other night. He was dunk threes. He was killing it. So it, it, they bring that energy. And most importantly, these guys are funny. They look like they're having fun. They're mm-hmm. rooting for each other. The post-game conferences are funny. They're cracking jokes. Kruger is ca- you know, cracking jokes. So it's a good vibe. It's definitely a good vibe. That, running Rebels team. That's important. That really is. If you can have that kind of vibe and have a good time and, and, and appreciate your teammates, and, and uh, yeah, that goes a long way. So I can appreciate that as well. My man DeMond had another question for you. Yeah, going off of that, because my answer for this question is going to be Roy Taylor, but what player has <laughs> surprised you the most or the, that stood out the most to you in just these three games? Yeah, I mean, it's fun because there's so many new faces, but I'm talking the freshman, Keyshawn Gilbert, who's a Vegas native. He's a freshman out here playing with fifth year, six years, and he's been grinding and, and, and his defense, and I'm just, like, really impressed with this freshman um, who's a Vegas native, and, you know, he's the only freshman on the team this year 
So for Kruger to have confidence in him and to throw him out there with fifth year, sixth year seniors, and he's continuing to grind and continuing to you know be aggressive and play defense, and he's just out there as a freshman up with all these older, older guys. So. It's been fun to watch him this season. He's really impressed me. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm, I can't wait till Friday. It's going to be a fun day here in Vegas. Obviously, the weekend's going to be fantastic, but UNLV football in action, UNLV basketball in action. It's all going down uh, all weekend long. It's going to be fantastic. Paloma, before we let you go, what you got going out uh, on, on the Reb Zone that uh, folks should be on the lookout for? Yeah, I mean, it'll be a special Reb Zone with Senior Night, you know, the Chuck Wagon, Julio Garcia, all the, all the seniors that are being honored. Um, and especially because, you know, this is the last time they'll play at Allegiant Stadium. So it'll be a really special night for them, a, a nice red zone. Oh, man, we got hoops on hoops on hoops <laughs> this weekend on the red zone. Like, if you missed a game, no worries. I got you. I got the highlights, post-game sound. We got jokes. We got Donovan Williams' dunk show. Like, it's fun. It's fun. It's really the best time of the year when football and basketball kind of merge together. So, it's another Packer Rub Zone this Sunday, y'all. There you go. Well, we love it, and we love the uh, the coverage that you're providing. You're doing a great job, and we definitely appreciate you giving us a few minutes of your time today. Absolutely, guys. See you later. All right, there she goes, Paloma Villacana right there, Fox 5 Sports, host of the Reb Zone, and it is a fun time. UNLV basketball is doing fantastic, 3-0. Got Michigan coming to town, and UNLV football is on a two-game winning streak, and uh, they got San Diego State coming to town in the Chuck Wagon's final, final Home game ever at Allegiant Stadium. Uh, very excited about that opportunity to go see him go out with a bang. And uh, he is a fantastic player on and off the field. Just a good dude in general. I know my guy Jesse, he came out to the Oyo, got hooked up with some tickets. So uh, him and Jason are going to go out there and, and check him out on Friday at Allegiant Stadium. So uh, definitely appreciate everyone who's been a guest in the show, everyone who uh, chimed in on the show, either calling or text. We do appreciate you tomorrow. Unnecessary Roughness will come to you live from Allegiant Stadium, uh, home of the state championship games here in Las Vegas. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. I holler. Yeah.